Well, welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Mitch. And I'm DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And today we have a great episode lined up for you. In the meet today, we are joined by game designer Stephen Williams, and we're talking about reputation. Reputation for the PCs, your group of adventurers, and how reputation of a group can affect the world around them and how they interact with that world. Yes, it was a fun conversation where I admitted how much World of Warcraft I have played. (laughs) But the other thing is, we recorded this in the distant past, many moons ago, prior to the Guildmaster's Guide of Ravnica coming out and the Renown system. But if you are a gold Patreon member or higher, you can check out the latest content that we're putting up there, which is a small reputation system that you could use looking at the Renown to see how Wizards officially did it, as well as using the awesome conversation that you're about to listen to. That's fantastic. And you know what also is... That's fantastic. And you know what also is fantastic, Neil? What? We have some five-star reviews. And the first one comes from Dexter Tank, and it's entitled College Credit Five Stars. You listen to this podcast, and you will get college credit for having completed a semester of DMing. This show is entertaining and challenging. The hosts are knowledgeable beyond belief, and the guests they bring on are expansive and diverse. This show will make you question and think hard on what you can do as a DM from all aspects of storytelling to group management to group management, to mechanics, and homebrew. There's no fluff in this podcast. Get ready to take some notes. Thank you so much, Dexter Tank. Really appreciate that. Yeah. And speaking of, all I could think of when he was talking about a uh, actual course, a semester of DMing, I just kept thinking of our buddies over at Detentions and Dragons because that just rings so true with them. Well, and the funny thing is working at a college for over 15 years, I like tried to do the math of like credit hours and I think we're there. I think we could do it. We'd have to figure out. We did out, it. We did it. Is it a one or two unit course? Is it transferable? Uh, what college wants to accept this now? That's the, I don't know. That's yeah. the real question. Does it qualify for financial aid? Who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> uh, and so the next review is from DM Pure. Love your podcast. Five stars. I really love your podcast. I've listened to it for around a year and I've already listened to most of your episodes. I listen to your podcast at night when I'm going to sleep and your podcast helps me to do that. I hope you keep going. Your podcast especially helps me since my grandmother just passed away and your podcast helps calm me down. I do wish though that you went back to doing longer podcasts, but I do know that some people like shorter podcasts better. Love your podcast, DM Pure. So thank you for that awesome review and I'm glad that we can help. That's, I mean, that is the number one goal is that we can help you in no matter what you need. Yeah, those heartfelt reviews really, really, they encourage us to keep going. So thank you so much, DM Pure. And our last review comes from Rob Steinberg and is entitled, When There Isn't Enough Stars. Five stars. Perfect. I was a new DM, scared to get off the floor and start playing when I stumbled upon this podcast. I can't get enough. Having trouble with NPCs? podcast for it struggling to get the juices flowing podcast for it what do i do with my maps podcast for it great job guys keep it up and please don't stop 
That's I love yep. that. That's maybe a new logo for it. Podcast. Yep. Oh, po- podcast for it. That's perfect. Oh. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that review. We appreciate it. And Neil, without any further ado, what time is it? Let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. So for this segment of the meat, we have with us Stephen Williams, author and game designer, creator of Nerzigal's Dungeon Master Tools Kits and Nerzigal's Game Master Toolkit. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Hi, guys. Great to be here. Awesome to have you. Yes. And as always, we're going to start with a little bit of an interview and my favorite question. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Whatever you think the listeners should know. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm uh, a bit newer to the D&D scene. I played a little bit back in high school, but I didn't really get into it until about five years ago and just kind of fell in love with it at that point and decided that I I wanted to do some designing on my own. And really, I just took bits from my own campaign worlds and threw them together to start creating these books and once they caught on I, I fell in love with it and I've been designing ever since uh, I'm a programmer by day and so this is this is all on the side this is what I do for a living uh, but it is what I'm most passionate about in my life I'd say yeah that's the that's the gist of it related to this <laughs> I, I mean I love that I think that it's um really cool that you know we have there are people who start playing Dungeons and Dragons and for a long time it's like they might be like ah, I don't know if I can sit behind that dungeon master shield like the, there's too many rules there's too many of this you're the opposite you've been playing for like you like you stated I haven't been playing that long and you just jumped into game designing right away which is fantastic and already have published books that people can buy with monsters adventures all these different aspects that you can add into your game yeah, my playgroup has a really unique situation in that we have about five different people out of our six that want to actively DM. Normally mm. people struggle to find a dungeon master, yep. and with us, everyone wants to DM, so we kind of have to like <laughs> trade off weeks or campaigns, but uh, yeah, it's the the opposite of what most people struggle with with their D&D groups, because we have a lot of creative people. How happy is that sixth person, though? <laughs> like, right. no one will ever ask me. This is amazing. It's <laughs> true. That's awesome. So, speaking of your D and D books, can you tell us a little about Nerzigal's D and D books specifically? I'm looking also to find out who is this Nerzigal guy. <laughs> so, Nerzigal is just the online handle I've had for a long time. It was the name of my original character in World of Warcraft, a Druid. Well done. Uh, but it was actually based off one of the characters in uh, Dota from Warcraft 3. Uh, <laughs> and so I just did a twist. Most people think it's from uh, like the Lord of the Rings Nazgul, but it was not. It was from a character in Dota. But yeah, that's just the handle I've been using ever since. It's just what I went with because it's it's very high fantasy sort of name. But the books, like I said, it was just things I pulled from my campaign that I thought people might find useful. So my first one has got a whole bunch of random item tables. You can craft your own magic items. I use them in a forge in this huge open 
uh, like hex crawl world where people could donate money and enchant items and it could have good and bad effects. And then uh, dungeons that I could drop into that world, one shots that people could use in their worlds. And then I went on and started creating monsters and puzzles and magic items and pretty much anything that I think a dungeon master might need. They can look to my books and find things that they can use in their own game world. And I try to keep it all world agnostic so you can kind of drop them right into any session or any game. All the one shots, most of them wrap up nicely in a day, and if not, I'll let you know ahead of time. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's just any anything and everything you might want if you're a DM. I, I really focus on new DMs as well. I try to make introductory adventures so I can help people get into the hobby that I love so much. Just kind of that jumping off point to help take away some of the intimidation with these as a, a guide for that. You know, a one shot's a nice way to jump in and experience being a dungeon master without saying I'm going to run a campaign for everyone. That's fantastic. Yeah, the books are great. Um, I would recommend anybody checking them out. I, For myself, when I buy a book, the first thing I want to go to is the monsters. Like, a book with lots of monsters is my favorite kind of book. And your books certainly have given a plethora of, of new monsters. That's the part that I've scoured over the most. But beyond that, like you were saying, it has plenty, plenty more for a Dungeon Master to use. And I, I make them available as pay what you want. You can find them on the DMs Guild and Drive Through RPG because I kind of like the idea of anyone being able to have access to my my tools because not everyone like I was the poor college kid too, and so I couldn't go out and p- spend fifteen dollars on a book all the time. And you you're not always willing to take a chance on something that's you know just a random guy out there. Like why am I special? And so if people want to donate, they can. But everyone else, I'm just happy that people are using the content. And when I hear people tell me about their games, or I've even seen videos of people running it, that's that's more than enough reward for me. That's great. That's and awesome. like if you if you go and you check those out as PDFs, you can also decide then if you would like to go and have the hardcover because those are available to purchase. You can purchase them right on Amazon. Like it's, you can definitely go and purchase them and have them and add them right to your collection. So speaking of your books, is there anything that you are working on that isn't out currently? Yeah. If you follow me on Twitter, I've been, I've been posting some art that I've been getting lately. My next project is going to be Nerzigal's Tome of Horrors uh, or Horrifying Adventures, I think is what I've, finalized for the name but i really like the the horror themed one shots i've already released a couple ones based on the blair witch project ones based on a creature called the golgoreth that is this giant frog demon with tentacles and no (laughs) eyes that turns people mad but this new book's gonna have uh an adventure inspired by the thing and so it's kind of bringing the custom mechanics of hidden pvp elements into it uh i've got one based on it follows which is one of my favorite horror movies and putting the characters in a situation where there's a creature that they can't kill and how do you deal with that scenario and then uh, a follow-up to the cult of the golgoreth which is one of my most popular adventures that uh i released on halloween a long time ago is one of my first jumping points into this and yeah we're bringing them back and making them more deadly than ever and so I'm really excited about it. It'll probably be out early next year. I'm getting art done right now and doing formatting and finalization. But Fantastic. Awesome. So, as always, we have a surprise question to end this wonderful interview. And that, oh, yeah, there it is. And that surprise question comes from DM Jude on Patreon. And they ask, what real world language do you think would fit some of the core D&D races? Like, you know, in what real world language do you think dwarves would speak? Like, man, uh, <laughs> that's gotcha. Difficult. Yeah, it, it, I feel like 
it would have to be one of those like hearty sounding language like Russian or German or something mm. along those lines for the dwarves. I feel like elves would speak French because it's just one of those languages <laughs> that the fl- or maybe maybe Spanish, you know, depending mm. on how yeah. uh how influential or maybe that'd be like the tiefling the just flow along with it but that's an interesting question yeah i've never put much thought to that yeah <laughs> all right so we have now i just envision dwarves wearing the like furry hats yeah i yes. think i think it fits pretty well yeah they yeah. like to drink so russian is probably <laughs> if we're going to stereotypes <laughs> yeah if we're going with stereotypes <laughs> good to go awesome well thank you for answering that and of course thank you dm jude for putting that on our patreon So let's start talking about what we've come here to talk about today. We're talking about reputation, uh, specifically the reputation that the adventuring party, the PCs that you're playing with in your campaign at home start to build and how that reputation can affect them as PCs and the world around them. So uh, let's first just start discussing like how and why does an adventuring party build reputation in a campaign and how can you as the DM start to use that reputation? So, yeah, I think the, the wise it's, it's rewarding for players when they go back to a town or to a place where they've done a good deed and they get recognized by those NPCs and are rewarded for the things that they've done. Even if it's something as simple as buying them a drink at the bar or just someone calling out to them in the streets, it means a lot as a player to be like, hey, they, they remembered. It's it's that payback for the things that you've done that's more than just monetary. As for how, I've got some ideas. Uh, you may have heard me speak about my, my name originating in World of Warcraft. Well, they've got their own reputation system in there that I think you could probably pull pretty pretty nicely into a D&D setting. That was my first thought as I don't know how much I've admitted this on the podcast. So, <laughs> um I have played a little bit of World of Warcraft. Um <laughs> by that I mean a very large amount. Um and of course, <laughs> may have been running my own 25-man guild in Ice Crown days and then gave up because I didn't want to deal with that and then just went to hardcore progression rating through the next like three expansions. Uh then I got a wife and kids. <laughs> yep. So, I don't do goes. that. Uh but no, I think that that reputation system is really good. I think though I think it would be a really good mechanical system to use as the DM. I don't think it would be something that I want would want the players to be that aware of because I wouldn't want it to be too numeric, but I think it would be really really good as a definitive way of okay, you've crossed this mark that I've made. Now this community or this person possibly views you in a different way because you've built that trust, you've built that reputation. I think uh, what you were saying, Stephen, too, is super, super important. It's that, you know, you were talking about how it means a lot when an NPC calls out to a character and remembers them. It it can mean even more if it's an NPC that never even met that character, but knows of them because of this amazing feat that they uh, accomplished in the world. And I think beyond that, like, I feel like most adventuring parties have at least one character who is pretty interested in building up their reputation and being well known but beyond those characters that are looking for that i think most players at a table are interested in that whether it's a conscious 
or not thing because I think they're excited, like you said, when that comes up and they're like, oh, we're remembered for the things that we've done. Even for a player that's playing a character who they would say, oh, my monk character has has no interest in, in this reputation thing. I, I don't care for it. I think that player a lot of the time still will be pretty excited when the monk is recognized on the street, that they'll Makes still like be excited. That, yeah, ex- exactly. And that's exactly what D&D is trying to do, right? It's trying to make you feel like through your character, a hero in the game. Well, and I, I love the, I mean, and that's always the discussion to have and think about when you're in, especially you're in Steven with your experience designing things is it's not always what will, just the character like or just the player like it has to be both you know and because someone really committed to the idea of being the monk is going to be like yeah this is dumb people recognize me and i like i don't want that acc- accolade but then like you said the player is just like this is so cool yeah. look at all the people that want to give me free stuff maybe <laughs> oh yeah it's where the role playing comes in play and trying to get too excited in character <laughs> i think there's this this difference that as dungeon masters you want to take into your mind too as you're trying to work through how reputation is going to affect your pc is that there is a difference between local fame regional fame global fame and whatever it is that whatever creatures that your your pcs will destroy or save uh people from whatever feats they accomplish they might be to the local hamlet of Glorville that they saved from a band of orcs, they might be the greatest heroes of all time. But then the city to the west may have never even heard of this little group of adventurers that killed 10 orcs saving this little hamlet. Uh, But if the city is saved, like the bigger the place that is saved by the PCs, the more renowned, the more people that are going to know and the more that the word might spread. And I think that's something that's really important here too, is that if, if you save a, another, an NPC, what's that NPC going to want to do? If you save them from a dragon or an orc or whatever it is, they're probably going to want to go and tell you about these awesome adventurers who saved their life. And that's how, your story and your reputation is going to build as those NPCs who go and speak of your feats. For sure. And yeah, if you save like the capital city of this continent from a dragon attack or some lich, that's going to cascade through every single city in that area because people are going to know about that. But as you said, like you stopped a small band of raiding orcs from one village to those people, you might be a hero and be well-renowned there, but that fame might not spread uh, quite as, quite as much as killing a dragon. (laughs) <laughs> although that can still be special like if you oh, yeah. even after you kill that dragon saving that city and you return to that little hamlet that you saved from orcs they are st- <laughs> they still might have that pride like we were first they started here <laughs> uh, do you guys have you watched firefly thank sure. you I all was i can think say. is the hero canta <laughs> the man they call jane like oh <laughs> yep that's exactly what i was about to mention that's so good well i mean the other thing that um I was thinking is that there are also situations where you're essentially robbing Peter to pay Paul in that any positive reputation that you may get with the this group of individuals 
is going to reduce it over here because of whatever animosity they may have towards each other. And so that, I mean, that's definitely another factor in terms of how reputation builds and works in, I mean, because that's, that's how it works in the real world. I mean, just because you do all these things for one person doesn't mean another person isn't going to be very frustrated with you. <laughs> very true. I was going to say, all I can think of is like you go to some town a little ways over and maybe you hear a traveling bard singing a song and they hear their names come up and it's just like, hmm. hey, th that was us. We we did that. Like maybe not even call it the party or have a name for the group that you've created based on their uh, their deeds or one that they've created for themselves that they all of a sudden overhear. And once again, it's just creating those like heroic moments for the players, not even the characters and the players themselves. And that's what we they're there to do as a DM, you know, is make those players feel heroic. And so the kind of the next topic that we want to tackle, if you will, and we started to talk about it a little bit with mm -hmm. the World of Warcraft discussion is different ways that you can track reputation because you do need somewhat. Of, if you're going to add something like this, you almost need some sort of mechanical framework to base it off of because you don't really want a scenario where X, Y, and Z got you this over here and X, Y, and Z got you nothing over here because the players, after they understand what reputation is, probably want to know exactly what to do to gain that with other people. Yeah, I think you'd, you'd hide the mechanic itself oh, yeah. from the players. Yeah, like, so when it depends on how you run your adventures, but I have, you know, a, a layout for my town and here's the major NPCs, you know, here's the size items of note. Reputation might be something that you just tag on there as well. And then if it has any like sub organizations, like if it has a thieves guild party might have a reputation with them that you could track as well. But yeah, I think it would just be the effects of having those specific reputation levels would just reflect in how the town treated the people. And then they, they will never know, you know, that they're actually building this reputation. It's just something that you kind of track in the background and keep it in mind. So the other idea I had was, would you implement it? And because we've kind of talked back and forth about the two versions, would you implement it with an individual or an area or some mix of both? I think it would be the, the way I had it envisioned is like a town or city or, you know, anything of significant size or and then organizations that might exist in your world or within those cities that are significant. So there might be, you know, uh, a mage's guild in one of the major cities that your players could do specific tasks for and build a reputation with them. And as you get more renowned with them, they might offer you discounts on magic items or, uh, you know, things such as that. Or maybe you get renowned with the thieves guild and that might cause, if you get caught, it might have adverse effects and the city starts to hate you, even though the thieves guild sucks. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> I think that's a good point too, because you can have, you, you might, depending on how much you want to really get into this, a way of tracking reputation, you might have separate charts or separate total amounts of reputation that your PCs have, depending on where they're going. Like if they're doing things for a, a thieves guild that's done in secret, well, in the thieves guild themselves, they might be really well known and really have this high reputation but when they go out into the world they might be known by no Nothing. one and that's and that's going to be the point or an assassin's guild you don't want to be part of an assassin's guild and be walking down the street <laughs> and everybody's like hey there's that famous assassin that killed the mayor last week like you'd be arrested on the spot if that was the case i like uh, almost like in i mean i guess this is me 
possibly overcomplicating it. But I like the idea of you know kind of knowing the reputation with an individual, kind of knowing the reputation with an area, and then possibly kind of tracking what their world renown is and like having a low percentile chance that like you're in this town over here also i just like being a jerk and having my players roll for things they don't understand (laughs) and be like okay can you give me a percentile roll and maybe it's like below five percent but if they get it then it's like wait a minute you're you're the people from way back here in this small town and you saved them from a dragon but you know, and having like that very small percentage chance that like somewhere out in the world they can still be recognized. Absolutely, yeah, and that and like you like we're talking about if the the more feats and the more people that are saved and the more stories that are told, you might have different. Like you might be going, okay, well now you have to roll a ten percent at least or a twenty five percent, and the the more that your PCs do, the higher chance that people are going to go, I know you. I've seen your I've seen your face on uh, posters. I've heard tales of uh, you and the armor that you wear. And absolutely. Yeah, I think that's great. Oh, I was going to say, we mentioned earlier, you know, events that happen in other towns could impact that. And yeah, when I was kind of building out just like a framework for, you know, you have in World of Warcraft, you have eight tiers, I guess, technically. You start out neutral. You go friendly, honored, revered, and exalted. And so if you help, like, an individual person or maybe a small group of people within that town, you could get up to friendly because they tell the story. Maybe you, there was a, orcs attacked a caravan of one of the merchants in that town, so he tells the story and they like you. But for them to revere you, you need to, like, bring some significant wealth to the town or save them from some, some looming threat. Or maybe you just have a good reputation with them, but you've also saved their neighboring town. There's a lot of different ways you could reach that next tier and say, hey, these people have helped out not only us, but our neighbors as well. So they're they're really someone of note that we know isn't just, just in it for themselves. Yeah, there can be there can be, like, totally different levels of perks to being recognized uh like we've said there there can be discounts at stores or even i mean it happens in the real world all the time the famous rich people are the ones that get all the free stuff right that people go hey please no you don't need to pay for this meal this is on the house like but there can also be um other perks and one of the things that i was thinking would be really cool is as a role-playing perk if and this goes along with, I, I believe, what, like you were mentioning, Stephen, like a group of adventurers might come up with a name for themselves. Uh, in one of my previous campaigns, the adventuring group decided they were called the Grey Cloak Guardians because they were Grey Cloaks. And so they started to become known for that name. But that name might come from the players deciding that name themselves. That name might come from their renowned building and people the people of the world starting to give their characters or their adventuring party this name uh, that then starts to spread and they become known as the saviors of such and such a village or the slayers of the dragon such and such. And these are names that they can carry with them and they may have multiple titles depending on where they go and who knows them. Hero of Kanta. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. The other thing I thought was that top end of reputation, it kind of starts to bring things that aren't always positive as well, because then the way that 
you go into a town and interact with the town changes because everyone might recognize you and what you like. You know, so then you know, I'm thinking again of like the very popular people in our world of like, okay, so you have to go into the back entrance of the inn or else everyone's going to like accost you and be like, well, I, Hey, I need this and I need that. And can you help me over here? And I've got this problem with these trolls on, on like the forest over here. Um, so definitely thinking about potentially some, negatives with the very high end of reputation Got paparazzi following you around yep. <laughs> absolutely kids asking for your autograph absolutely mm-hmm. i just imagine a guy running around like trying to sketch you yeah. very fast <laughs> hold still or yeah sitting in a restaurant trying to have a meal with your adventuring party and everyone around you keeps on interrupting uh yeah <laughs> Can I get a, a selfie sketch with you or, you know, or just talking about you at the tables and you, you can't get a moment of peace anymore. You might really enjoy leaving and going to a place where you can have some peace and quiet. It's like, we're trying to do this covert. Everyone knows <laughs> us. <laughs> what do we do? And it could present its own challenges to the party. It's like, you're really, you need to walk in with disguise self active yes. or seeming because everyone here knows who you are. Oh, man. So we said paparazzi but the actual answer is clearly bards <laughs> mm. like a For troop sure. of bards like trying to follow you everywhere you go and document all of your like your stories mm-hmm. and oh that's so good absolutely that i mean i was i was going to mention that before bards i think this is a beautiful place that bards can come into play beyond NPCs running off and saying, I was saved by this group of adventurers. If you save a group of of people that maybe there's a bard in there or this bard catches wind of the feats that you've accomplished, I would say depending on where you are as a DM, maybe you want to surprise your players with them coming to the table and you have like a ballad written about the last adventure that they went on and the slaying of this giant and you just put in little verses about each character and i don't think there's much that can make a group of pcs a group of players feel awesome than having a bard in game write songs about them and those songs are gonna spread as a player having your dm write a song for you (laughs) that's pretty special too like yeah wow how much time did you spend writing a song yeah (laughs) but even to flip that on its head if you have a bard in the group you might even like just you know plant that seed look at them and be like you know it'd be cool and you know what you might uh gain some reputation for is if your bard uh decided to write a song about the things that you just did that might go pretty far and just to give that bard a, uh, an opportunity to role play, give that player an opportunity to do what a bard can do and write a song or write a poem if they don't want to sing it at the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which not a lot of people will be willing to do, I find. <laughs> <laughs> True. And if if we if we're ta- if we're being real, if it's a player doing it, I would fully expect those tales to be fish stories, to be embellished, to be, mm-hmm. oh, that giant that was uh, 10 feet tall is now 30 feet tall. Mm-hmm. And I don't see nothing, anything wrong with that. That's what happens in stories and poems and tales all the time. And that could also help your story. And, ha- and yeah, I mean, you think of um, now I'm thinking of the scene in Braveheart, my favorite movie where William Wallace comes riding into battle and none of the people believe that it's him. And William Wallace is, 
is seven feet tall. Um, and all these, all these different things that they have through the myths and the stories built up in their minds, which is also a funny thing because it would be funny if you got recognized by a person and, uh, they're looking at your, the player's paladin and they're going, huh, thought you'd be taller. <laughs> yes. Armor's not really that shiny. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing we want to talk about is while we're talking about this, uh, about this idea of reputation, we've mentioned it a little bit already, but there is something that we have to kind of talk about is that there is a difference be- between being famous and infamous or being well known for doing great deeds and saving cities and slaying monsters and you might also be known for assassinating good people or teaming up with monsters and ransacking cities. And so where, what, how does this affect this idea of reputation that we, we've talked about? Whether it's perks or how you are interacting with people. If you're more on that infamous side, what's the difference going to be? Yeah, I'd say, I mean... At, when you get friendly, you know, maybe you get discounts on goods. They'll let you stay for free at the end. They have erect statues of you in the town square. When you're on that bad side of things, because maybe you got caught breaking into a house and you're trying to be covert, or maybe you started a brawl in the tavern, or you've helped a lord that opposes the city that you're in. could be, since it doesn't necessarily need to be malicious, it could just be helping people that they're not allies with or that they see mm-hmm. as an enemy. I mean, I think it starts out, overcharge you for your beer for your potions that you want to buy if it gets too extreme going back to like the wild ones there's unfriendly hostile and then hated if they're hostile maybe they just they're really suspicious higher dcs on any of your persuasion checks or anything like that because they just don't trust you inherently merchants might just turn you away because they don't want your money and then once you hit that hated level because you know maybe you did do something terrible or you got caught breaking into the lord's house you're just not welcome in town the guards will Mm. try to attack you on site no one wants you there. The other idea is also having it with good deeds misinterpreted. Mm. Is the other is the Ooh. other thought I had. Going, your your friendly neighborhood Spider Man yeah. comes to mind, or like mm. the battle for New York in the Avengers. It's like I can definitely see both sides of this conversation. Of like, hey, you did save us. We have billions of dollars worth of damages, though, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure this whole thing happened because you exist. Yeah, and you know, and and possibly the you know we hate adventurers because all they bring is trouble and trolls, and so so like that idea of infamous as well. Yeah, you stopped the dragon and slayed the dragon from destroying our whole town, but when the word gets out that the reason the dragon attacked the town is because you snuck into its cave and stole some of its loot and woke it up. You might not be so popular. Maybe even you slayed it, but when you did, it fell and crashed into the town. Mm. And it's like, destroyed a couple of houses, and you're like, well, we killed the dragon. It's like, but why did you (laughs) kill it over there instead? You know, it's like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Which which is kind of a cool idea, right? Because with that kind of circumstance, that might change the way that the group of adventurers thinks about attacking and uh killing monsters and might think of whoa, whoa, whoa let's not kill that giant remember what happened with the dragon let's try to lead it away from town and then we'll kill it then we'll be the heroes this time i really liked what you said too steven about how it might not even be feats of evil it may be that you helped and are well known as heroes in this one country 
but this country over here is at war with them. And so they start to create boogeyman tales about you and you're just not welcome. And you might completely be barred off from a certain country or town or city. And the only way of getting in would be sneaking in, which is only going to raise that infamy even higher if you're caught doing such. Yeah, I have that exact scenario in my my campaign that I'm running right now where there's these two really, really wealthy lords that are just huge rivals. And so they, they've been helping one of them publicly and the other one they've been helping covertly. And so once one finds out about the other, you know, like all of a sudden Ooh. it's a huge deal that you it's like, what do you mean you've been doing business with them? That's you're <laughs> not allowed to do that. You're supposed to be helping me. And uh, all of a sudden, even though they've been doing mostly positive things for both of them, <laughs> uh, all of a sudden they've become villains. Absolutely. That's awesome. Especially because the potential of being villains with both. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can, uh, we can end this without mentioning in Elder Scrolls Oblivion, there was this mask that the Thieves Guild leader would wear. And you would get this mask in game. And whenever you wore it, your reputation was different depending on what you did while wearing this mask. And you you could approach an NPC and wear this mask and be chased immediately by guards, take the mask off behind a corner, walk out in front of those guards, and be completely like, they. where did he go? And I think it was called the Gray Fox Mask, if I, if I remember correctly. There's, you know, we've talked about disguises, we've talked about infamy and uh, being famous. If we're playing this under-the-radar, Thieves Guild, Assassin's Guild, something along those... Maybe that's where, not outside of that, is where you wear a disguise, but you wear disguises while part of this guild. And while wearing that disguise, that's where you're building up this infamous reputation. But unless somebody sees you take off that mask, when you don't have the mask off, you can just be another person in the crowd. Or the you can do like the very chaotic good approach where there's this person in town who has an artifact that we need to get and he's not going to give it to us we have no choice but to steal it Hmm. and so like how do we avoid getting caught because we don't want to get the bad reputation that goes with that even though we might need this artifact to stop a dragon attacking the city or to help some greater good that people don't know about so it all comes down like the context of that town i think you can do a lot of interesting things behind the scenes or like well here's what you did and what you know but here's how the town saw it Absolutely. You have to always be considering that. So we have another extremely important question. And that, of course, is where can people go on the Internet to find you, Stephen, and all you do? Oh, sure. Uh, you just follow me on Twitter if you want regular updates of the stuff I do. I just kicked off a Patreon a few weeks ago for people to get uh, sort of ahead previews of my new adventures and give input on them to vote on what sort of like monsters and adventures I create in the future. Uh, like I said, it's pretty new, but that's where I'm going to be posting stuff in the future. Uh, I have a Facebook page slash Nerzigal. Pretty much just search Nerzigal online and you can find me. My products are on the DMs Guild and on Drive RPG. You can get them PDF or in, or in print, whichever you prefer. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on the show and hopefully we'll be able to have you again back someday. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I love doing these sorts of shows. I'm always looking for opportunities. Trying to build my own reputation out in the hey, community. Oh, yeah. And so ba, 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 ba. Uh, hopefully <laughs> hopefully this is an infamy. <laughs> All right. Next time you're here, I'll I'll write I'll write a song for you. All right. Yes. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, that. now we have to have you back for sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're holding him to it. 
We know how much Neil loves songs. Anyway, I am, let's I am the person who will sing at the table. So. <laughs> but they have been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That guys. right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail with you all day, okay? Welcome back to another segment of the Mailbag of Holding, the place where we look at ideas, stories, and questions from you, the listener. We got an email from Dan, and Dan just rose in and he was just telling us how he appreciates the podcast, which we really appreciate that. Thanks so much, Dan, for writing yes, in. Yes, thank you. Uh, but he also said he really just enjoys podcasts in general, especially RPG podcasts, and that because his schedule is just super busy, he says he works a second shift, he's got a Tuesday to Saturday job, a young family, uh, all that kind of stuff, even though he has this high interest in gaming it really puts him at a disadvantage to be able to game himself. So he loves to listen to RPG podcasts and basically live vicariously through those, which is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but we, we kind of looked at this and we thought, you know, maybe we could throw some advice out there to Dan and anybody else who is in this kind of predict predicament. So, you know, when you first hear like somebody comes to you and says, man, I really would love to game, especially D&D, an RPG, like, but I've got this, this, and this really busy schedule. What would be, like, your piece of advice to them? So the number one, especially for Dan in his circumstance, is going online mm -hmm. and doing Roll20, doing, I mean, maybe Google Hangouts, but finding a community. Because one of the biggest advantages of online is that all around the world, people are going to be awake. Yep. So if you're working a second shift Tuesday through Saturday, Australia, England, all these different places, you could be hitting the perfect time for them to just be on you know, their own Saturday. Because I know Australia is in future space time that I don't even understand. And they're like a whole <laughs> like day and a half ahead. So I think you could easily or, well, you know, potentially find a group that could fit your time schedule. Mm -hmm. But what's another idea? So two that um, we were talking about before we started recording this was play-by-posts, which we've mentioned on the show before. We've had Actually, an episode, I believe, in the past, uh, just talking about play-by-posts. And play-by-posts are fantastic if you are in this spot that you can't... Maybe it's still difficult for you to even find a couple hours to sit down and sit at a computer and play a game with people. But a play-by-post is where you're able to uh, respond in a text format to a game whenever you're able to find that time. And it's a lot easier to pull up on your phone, like the website or the app that you're using to do it on. I've done a play-by-post through a Facebook group mm, before, mm -hmm. and it worked fine. I've done one on, that's actually the first time that I got on Twitter. That was what I used Twitter for. It was a play-by-post yeah. group. Um, and it's, it's just really, you can respond to it whenever you want. And it's easy to pull it up when you're on a 15-minute break at work and respond to a game. But then something that, Neil, you and me have actually been doing on the side as well is you introduced me to this app. Tell us about this app you introduced me to. So Marco Polo, and basically it's a video messaging app. So then you can – one of the things we used it for was to better communicate mm -hmm. because with text, you have to infer way too much. So then you can actually see the person, hear the person, and it's an easy back and forth. I, was, I have to admit, I was skeptical at first, and now I love it and use it all the time. Yep. And it's easy to do the same thing you do with play-by-post in that if you forget something, you literally just go back and watch it and listen. And then respond one at a time, respond all at once. I mean, basically, just like play-by-post, but with video and voice, which I think really elevates everything. 
Yeah, so we've actually been playing a D&D game on Marco Polo. And so play-by-post is great because you're really able to, like, in a text format, like, really work out what your character is going to say and, like, write it out and go into good detail. Marco Polo is great because it's a video format, so you can kind of, like, take a second, think about what your character wants to say or work without, like, just jumping into, like, a ridiculous voice. You can kind of work on your voice a little, and then you jump into it and you start recording, and you can tell beautiful, amazing, fun, ridiculous stories and have that little bit of time to think about what your character, or if you're a DM, characters and world, what your response is going to be. And it can all be done whenever it is that you have free time. So I think that's what we wanted to say to Dan and to anybody else who's kind of in the situation. Yeah. Maybe one of these options is a way that you can scratch that itch. Because, Neil, we fully understand oh, wanting to game. <laughs> uh, and we know that life gets busy and so we're both blessed to be able to to game on a regular basis we know not everybody else can so hopefully maybe for those of you who are out there that fit this this need one of these options can be something that helps you yes and of course thank you dan for emailing in and hopefully you have binged your way to this episode so we just want to thank Stephen again for coming on and talking to us all about reputation and how to put yes. it in your homebrew world. But if you want to get a hold of us and tell us how you're using reputation in your world, you can always email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And of course, if you like this episode or any of the others and see fit, head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review, which we'll read on air. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can like our Facebook page, both of those places are great places to go if you want to keep up to date on what's coming out with our show. And as always, we want to give a Patreon shout out. And today's Patreon shout out goes to Andrew. So Andrew is a dreaded silver dragon tearing it up. Oh, yeah. So thank you so much, Andrew, for all of your support. We really appreciate it. It's because of Patreon dragons like you that this show is able to keep going strong. The Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. Check out other shows like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Geek Wars, and more. Again, we just want to thank you for listening to the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night and good luck. And remember to keep on dungeon mastering. You want to lead us into the, the Patreon? So it's Andrew Silver Dragon. <laughs> just, I yep, know, just in. I know what you meant, but it, you, you presented it as if Silver Dragon was his last Is name. his name. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Silver Dragon. That would be great if somebody did that on the Patreon, like wrote it in yeah. as that, but then decided to be like a Platinum Dragon. <laughs> That's awesome. I am Andrew Silver Dragon, Dragon is, what do you a think? Platinum a Dragon. Platinum Dragon. <laughs> Meow, 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 meow.